Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Mayfair Theater Podcast. I'm Andrew. And this is Josh. And this is our second round of trying to do a podcast today. Uh, we, hit, we hit a little technical error, which was probably my fault. It was bound to happen sooner or later, because all of the podcasts I listen to, um, the Nerdist, Kevin Smith stuff, uh, I know Doug Loves Movies has had at least a couple of lost episodes where the, the person in the comedy club just forgot to press record or something. Oh, really? So it's wow. amazing that we've made it like... So, so they've just had to say on Twitter, technical difficulties. Yeah, there, there was one where a couple, I remember, and I've been listening to Doug Loves Movies for so long, but there's a couple where Doug was pretty good and pissed off, but in his good Doug Benson sense of humor yeah. style, but where he went back to that same club like a year later and like made comical deprecating comments about it of like <laughs> well we're gonna try to make extra sure that we actually record this one we we should probably let our listeners know although they've probably gotten a sense of this that we record in what is essentially a bunker yes <laughs> we're, we're underneath the balcony in an office made of concrete yeah and we have one microphone so if it doesn't sound you know like um like a radio studio. Like NPR. Yeah, yeah. You know. Where they're, where they're in a room with the egg cartons and the soundproof walls yeah, and everything. Yeah, which we, we should probably look into. Yeah, we should, we should put egg cartons all over the wall. Well, I was impressed. I mean, we did it very MacGyver style, and it wasn't perfect, but kind of, you know, learn from your mistakes. Yeah. But the podcast we did with, with uh, Julia, uh, the director of uh, Out of Print, I mean, that was us recording our dialogue on Andrew's computer. Mm-hmm. Then recording Julia via Skype on which is a pretty standard way of doing it. Yeah, on my computer, and I was just impressed that it worked, like that it, it's a, uh, and you know the, the miracle of modern technology was something like Skype. Like once upon a time, not too long ago, that would have been, you know, a long distance phone call. Yeah, and just basically yeah. putting the telephone up to a recording device of some kind. Yeah, if you were doing it in in the way we do it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, Julia sounded better than we did. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, uh, we we might have been a little blown out, or but uh, I was just so happy with it because it, 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 we we had some very nice uh, replies on social media about it, and it just opens up that we know how to do this now. Mm-hmm. So, kind of anytime there's somebody, especially the, the smaller indie films usually have a really great social media presence and, uh, you know, are out there on Twitter and Facebook and recording podcasts and doing blogs and all that kind of stuff. So anytime we have like a independent Canadian film or whatever, I'm really going to try to touch base with the filmmakers and be like, Hey, do you want to be on our little podcast? Yeah. Yeah. There's, well, there's lots of stuff coming up where we can maybe look into, uh, tracking down the director or something. Yeah. Uh, and even, I mean, it's a long shot, but even, uh, hunt, what is it, Hunt for the Wilder People? I'll is it Wilder People Wilder or people? Wilder People? Wilder sounds accurate. Yeah, like wilderness? Bitch, it's yeah. wilderness. Wilder People. Maybe that's more of a New Zealand phrase that isn't here. Like it means like... Maybe, yeah. Like a, like a, like a, a wild man, like a bushman or something like that. Yeah. But even Taika Waititi retweeted a few of our tweets about that oh and we got i noticed a uh, retweet from uh john hodgman yeah well that was so as we speak um tonight so our podcast listeners will miss out on this but uh lucky enough to have a local group renting out the theater and screening uh the orson welles not orson welles directed classic but the orson welles starring classic. a lot of people think he directed it a lot of i'm guilty of carol reed having assumed that because it just seems like an orson welles type arguably 
you could make uh, the argument that one of the best films ever made is playing right now. Yeah, uh, oh, I love theater. it. It's and great. what's great is it's, it's a local film group called, or sorry, local music group called Music yeah. Beyond, and it seems to have done well for them. So I hope they do it more because the there's a good turnout in there too. Yeah, I chatted with the with one of the the organizers as I just walked in, and she said there was like over a hundred people, which for four o'clock on a uh, Wednesday afternoon is quite good. So hopefully they can match that or better that for their six thirty show. They're doing yeah. two back to back shows. Yeah, and um, but I. I love it when a group rents out the theater to do this kind of thing because the sad reality is often it's hard for us to justify screening stuff like this because it doesn't mm-hmm. draw a crowd. But they've proved us wrong today, which is great. So mm-hmm. maybe they'll do this kind of thing more often. And uh, I mean, it's not our usual audience. They they, they have... Uh, oh. oh, that's it. Oh, stand by. Oh. Our answering machine's our, our going <laughs> off. Our answering machine's going off. Oh, well. Just ignore that. Just ignore that right. for a couple minutes. Yeah. Turning it down. Hey, I did it. There you oh, go. there's volume on there. I forgot. Behind the scenes in the office of the Mayfair Theater. Uh, well, where were we? Uh, we were talking about the Orson Welles movie, and uh, just that it's, it's cool that a group is renting it, because we would love to play old movies all the time, but, mm. but it's often hard to draw a crowd, and especially when our box office numbers, and you look at uh, you know something retro and cool like uh, Last Unicorn gets like 20 people who show up yeah but then something that we've shown for like two or three weeks like Love and Friendship still getting like 150 yeah. people in or Maggie's Plan which Maggie's continues plan, yeah. for a second week so that's great for us like it's great that this new new independent stuff is drawing a crowd and we try to get in the old stuff as much as we can but if a film group is doing it for us we kind of get the benefits of both worlds where we're mm-hmm. showing the movie but with slightly less risk on our part because it's somebody renting out our theater mm-hmm. to and, and they've done quite well. I mean, it's 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 Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. Um, there's, like, horrible... There's What's going on? An accident or some power line issue yeah. outside? Like, the, the traffic is not good right now. Yeah, we're in, we're in a heat wave. Technology's falling apart on the streets. <laughs> there's construction all over the place. And, uh, yeah, and they still managed to get over 100 people in here, which is which is great, so... I'm going to stick around and watch it, too, afterwards. It's one of those movies... Have you seen it before? You know, it's, it's one of those movies where... I've seen it once. I have the Blu-ray. I it's fantastic. I think I've seen it before, but I've been tricked by this kind of thing before where I haven't actually seen it. I've just seen a dozen documentaries about the history yeah. of film that had clips in it or Orson Welles in you. So I, I might not have seen it. And that happens every once in a while. Like, you know, back, back before... I think before the age of VHS, but there used to be like compilation movies, and I would watch them on, as a kid on like oh, PBS. like that's that's entertainment exactly, yeah. yeah. And there was like three or four of those, and it was in the day where you know you, you didn't have VHS tapes or DVDs or Netflix, and so stuff wasn't at your fingertips. So they would just like compile these best of musicals, and I remember watching them either on TVO like El Weost or on PBS. Mm-hmm. So I have this illusion of seeing these movies where I'm like oh, I haven't actually seen these movies. I've just seen a bunch of clips from them, and they're in, like, the public conscience. So, yeah, I don't think I've seen The Third Man, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy to well, see it. Well, you get it. to see it on the big screen, so yeah, even better. And, and the, 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 the John Hodgman connection is that... Oh, yeah, you... I, I tweeted him because yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of his podcast, of Judge John Hodgman, and he did an episode, and if you're not familiar with that, it's basically... It's a comedic judge show where he's the judge, yeah. and people you know, emailing dumb things about like, you know, my, my husband doesn't do this. My wife doesn't do that. 
and they do funny kind of kind of courtroom yeah. stuff around that. And so they did one, and that the 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 topic was a husband who is trying to get his wife to like what he likes. So <laughs> his favorite movie is The Third Man, and it's one of John Hodgman's favorites as well. Yeah. But the ruling was, as I agree with, that you know you can love somebody, but you can't force them to love what you love. Yeah. And it's that old cliche of like a woman dragging a guy to a romantic comedy or a guy dragging a woman to a, a action movie, you mm-hmm. know. But so as soon as I saw that we had the third man coming up, I, I, I tweeted Hodgman and I just said like, I said like, dear Hodgman, I know it's a little far away, but we'd love to have you drop by for the third man. And then he replied that he couldn't <laughs> make it, but he was, but he's like, but, but zither, because it's like, there's a zither. Is zither yeah, the, the right word? Yeah. There's a, um, there's somebody here. I, I don't know her name, but she had played The opening theme is played on, it's called a zither. A I zither, believe. I believe. Yeah. It's like a string instrument. Yeah. I, Hopefully I'm getting that right. Um, it's a very like famous um, opening theme, you know. Right. Anyway, she played that cool to uh, uh, the live audience before yeah. the film started, so that was a little added bonus. Yeah. So Hydrin said that, and he, and he said something like, "Get on this Ottawa, go see this movie." Yeah, so yeah. It's always fun when kind of a a cool geek celebrity takes, and that's social media is so easy, like. He didn't have to write a letter. He didn't have to make a phone call. Yep. It took him five seconds, but it's still very fun. So, um, yeah, so that was our little Judge John Hodgman connection, <laughs> connection for this week. And uh, But, yeah, so that's something playing right now that you can't watch, but we'll talk Well, about you know, if you can get your hands on the Blu-ray or whatever, I, I recommend it. Yeah. If you haven't seen If you can't make it out, well, by the, <laughs> by the time you're listening to this, it's over. But. And then rent the theater and, yeah. and watch the movie. But, uh, so we are talking about the week of July 8th to 14th. This is our first... Starting, yeah, Friday. Friday the 8th, yeah. And, uh, last week, uh, I was out of town, so that's when we kind of, we recorded our filler episode. And, um, I was down in Minneapolis, and I went, very movie-themed, but I went to the, um, the Rift Tracks presented Mystery Science Theater reunion, and... I've been desperately trying to get these riff tracks simulcast. I know because they've they've done it at the other yeah theater. Well, and my which big, we can't say. Well, we can say it, it but my, the, my the big, other the big guys. My big frustration is that you know the 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 multiplex is showing this. That's fine. That's good for riff tracks, but the multiplex across Canada or most of Canada has has passed on screening some of their presentations in the last little while so it's like they had um they did like a christmas one and they did a few others and it's in this weird situation where it's like they're passing on it and also not letting anyone else do it because i would love to screen these riff tracks things they're so much fun i think it do pretty well here you know i I do too there's an audience for it and i thought like even if they would let us just do even if they didn't let us do the simulcast but do the um like the encore basically like send us a DCP mm. and let us play it a week mm-hmm. later. I, I think we have the audience that would come out for that kind of thing. So the long and short of it is, is Gwen, my wife basically said, we could just go. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so that's why you went, that's the that's reason we you went, went to Minneapolis. Wow. And it ended up being a really cool little trip. Uh, it's one of those, you know, non-destination cities. that's still a lot of fun because we, it's funny because we just talked about this. So I'm repeating myself, but I'm not repeating myself. Uh, we, we do a baseball game, uh, a band that 
a band that has played in uh, Ottawa a bunch called Slim Cessna. They were playing down there, so we got to go see them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the baseball game we went to, we found out that it's Bill Murray's baseball team. Oh, cool. And that's kind of neat. And and for real film geek trivia is the baseball cap he's wearing in Space Jam is a St. Saint Paul Saints baseball cap, which is the team we saw. Mm-hmm. And, and true to form of Bill Murray... On occasion, you might go to a baseball game and Bill Murray's there selling hot dogs or singing the national <laughs> yeah, anthem. Yeah, I saw some video where he w- where he was there just watching the game. Yeah, so it was great, and the, the reunion was great. Um, you know, uh, it was it was Jonah Ray's first real outing as yeah, a he's Ripper. He's, he's the new uh, the new guy on yeah. the new MST, which we'll see sooner or later. I. I I gave some monies to the... Uh, yeah, so did I, the Kickstarter. The Kickstarter. And I, just, I don't know if you got it too then. I just got an email today saying that they're working on um, the getting the, the prize packages out and that, all that mm. kind of stuff. It's shutting the, shutting the door. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's why we went to Minneapolis. So we missed last week. So this week is the first time in a couple weeks that we've done a, a day of date podcast. Mm-hmm. So I think as Andrew just mentioned briefly, we're bringing back Maggie's plan for a second week. Starring Greta Gerwig and uh, Ethan Hawke in what is probably his 86th film this year. He's done a lot of movies. Yeah, it seems like it. Like, And he's not that old, and, and he's done like 200 things on IMDb. Like, very prolific. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm glad to see Maggie's plan. I really like her. Uh, I always pronounce her name wrong. I add an extra G by mistake, but it's Greta Gerwig. Mm-hmm. And we had Frances Ha last year, right? Yeah, I love that movie. Really like it. And she's like the new um, Parker Posey. Yeah, I kind of said that I thought she was a new female young Woody Allen, which <laughs> I mean, which I, I mean, don't know if is is yeah, that much of a compliment these I mean, days. That is a compliment. I just I just find her movies very. Very New York, very kind of, you know, character dialogue, yeah. kind of, maybe even, like, uh, from a certain point of description, like Seinfeldian, like, nothing really going on too exciting. Yeah, the you know? kind of New York flavor humor. Yeah, but I like that a lot, so I missed that last week when I was out of town, so I'm glad that we're holding it over, so I'm going to get to catch that. We are also screening Genius, which... Uh, so this is a true story, right? Yes, it's it's an all-star cast, and it's about the... Is it the editor? Yeah, the editor... Renowned editor Maxwell Perkins. Who did, uh, amongst other things, he was he was the editor for, for uh, Thomas Wolfe, Ernest Hemingway, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and the cast has Nicole Kidman, Laura Linney, Guy Pearce, Dominic West, all kinds of people. And it looks... Mm. I've, I've kind of joked that it looks like a very... You know, Oscar bait type of movie. Yeah, like, like all star cast, period piece, true story. Yeah, uh, guys in hats, <laughs> the kind of uh, nineteen alcoholic suicidal authors. Yeah, yeah. There's probably I bet you there's some heavy moments amongst yeah. the comedic moments, but uh, yeah, genius. Uh, we have starting this week as well. Haven't seen that one, but I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, we have a couple of Ottawa premieres. One is the interior which is a Canadian-made BC locale. And I thought it was a horror movie, but it's kind of... Is it, like, more of, like, um... Apparently, it's sort of... It starts off um, not very much like a horror film. Let's read the synopsis here. After receiving a distressing medical diagnosis, a listless young man flees the crushing, crushing tedium of Toronto city life, trading it all 
for the wilderness of British Columbia interior, British Columbian interior. When his whims go awry, he is reduced to petty thievery just to survive. Fearing his misdeeds will catch up with him, he retreats further and further into the woods only to gradually find himself the target of increasingly inexplicable and disturbing manifestations, which point to a frightening truth. He is not alone. So I guess it, it doesn't start off like a horror yeah. film. I, I always, he's like, there's a fine line sometimes between like horror films and just weird movies. So like, you know, David Lynchian or something. Yeah, or, yeah. So I think this is a, is a, yeah, like this is a kind of independent character piece kind of. Yeah. And then I think when he goes into the woods, then weird stuff starts happening, which may or may not be real. Yeah. But I saw the trailer and really liked it. Like the trailer looked really cool. And I always love that when we, you know, we, we show Canadian films quite a lot, but I always like to show Canadian films and hope that the crowd comes out to support them. Because despite people always kind of saying there's no Canadian films, there's a lot of really good Canadian films mm-hmm. uh, of all kinds of different genre. Well, the other premiere is a Canadian film. Yeah, Canadian film uh, documentary set in India, uh, uh, Guru Kalam. Which is, a, I believe, about uh, meditation and spirituality. Yeah, I think it's a group goes to India and... Uh, learns about the country and the religion and spirituality there. It's, yeah, Canadian-Indian co-production. So we have that stuff. That's my favorite kind of co-production. Canadian-Indian, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so that's cool. So two two very different Canadian films uh, making their Ottawa premiere this week. Uh, And then the other one is The Neon Demon. Yes. Which uh, we had a lot of people asking if we were getting. And we got pretty fast, right? Like, I think it was only released... It, it's only been out in Ottawa, I believe, for the past week. We got it pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, Lee, our programmer, has seen this film. Yeah, I wish he was here to kind of tell the story. He was he here for our first attempt at recording, yeah. and sadly he couldn't rejoin us for the uh, second take. Yeah. But he was basically telling us that... Um, this is a film from the director of Drive, Valhalla, Valhalla, Rise, Valhalla Rising... Um, what else did he do? Uh, Only God Forgives. Which, with, I, which I really like. With yeah. Ryan Gosling. Yeah. And um, what, what is the other one? Did I say Bronson? Did I mention No, you Bronson? didn't say Bronson. Yeah, yeah Bronson. Bronson. Uh, this is a horror film set in the world of fashion modeling. Yeah. And it's Elle Fanning, and she's a new model, and um, I guess it's... And at first glance, it kind of looks a little black swan yeah, that's that's what I thought. I thought, yeah. oh, this is sort of like um, what Black Swan was to the ballet. This is um, it's doing that only it's uh, for the, the fashion, fashion world, fashion industry. Yeah, and what Lee was saying was he was most shocked. And it's funny because when he was talking, it first it sounded like he was trying to talk you out of coming to the movie, but then by the end of his 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 chatting about it, it was him talking about how much he liked it, and he's listening to the soundtrack over and over again, he, and he intends to buy the Blu-ray. Yeah, it's it's like a stylish, um, I guess kind of a more style and tone over substance kind of film. Yeah. Um, you know, if you've seen, it's director uh, Nicholas Winding Refn, if you've seen any of, of his films, like Drive, you know, you'll know. Yeah. You'll kind of have, have an idea of what's in store, but this is um, a pretty twisted movie, to put it, I haven't seen it, but from what Lee told me, yeah, and some of uh, what happens in it. Well, Lee was saying too. What, what what shocked him about it was that it was rated 14A in Ontario. You know, yeah, and he thought, no, this should be 18A because there's something. We're not going to say what it is. Yeah, he told me what it is. There's a scene in the film 
where something is depicted and he was shocked because he f- I think he was saying um, there are laws in Canada, like there are certain um, abhorrent things that you can't depict in films. Yeah, and basically like the the line between an R and an X. Like there's, yeah. there, there's lines between, uh, you know, family or general movies, PG, as you go up the scale, all the way up to X. Mm-hmm. And so he was saying there was some stuff in this movie that he thought, wow. Some sexual... <laughs> Violent, uh, horrific things. Um, but it, that yeah, <laughs> make make its fourteen a questionable. And it's always tough because, like, I'm always kind of fascinated by the ratings slash censorship in film versus, say, like you know, books. Mm-hmm. Because I think I've mentioned this before, even on this podcast. Like, like, uh, say, a fourteen year old can walk into the library and take out a copy of the book, The Shining. But a 14-year-old... Or Mein Kampf. Yeah, yeah. A 14-year-old can't walk in and watch the movie The Shining. And that's really weird to me that film gets rated, but other things don't. But I kind of don't want to bring it up because I want books to be left alone. Well, books, you know, books <laughs> are, you know, it's, it's left, it's just text, right? So yeah. with images and sound, it's a lot different. Yeah, it, it's, and it's People a People are a lot thing. more sensitive, I guess, uh, about, you know, what's on television and... And nowadays, too, it's funny because... I mean, you used to hear people bitch and complain about books like Lolita and all... Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, the, for like sure. The Catholic League of Decency or whatever in the States would want to ban books, and you don't really hear that anymore. No, or like the, the big boom that almost killed comics back in the 50s mm-hmm. with, you know, saying, uh, you know, Batman and Robin are gay, Wonder Woman's a lesbian, Superman's a communist, whatever. Yeah. And just the... the but the image Is Superman a communist? They thought he was a communist. I, I don't know what he is. He's more of a Canadian. Oh, so it, it was one of those things where they were they felt there were like these uh, um, underlying exactly yeah messages yeah. propaganda or whatever. And but these these images of people like and there's nothing. It's everything. People burn Beatles albums in the streets. People people are stupid, you know. And yeah, and uh, people are stupid. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, so I guess everything gets hit with censorship every once in a while. But yeah, so I'm very curious to watch. Neon Demon, because it it won. Oh no, sorry. It it won. This is fresh in my mind, just because I was just writing about it on social media. But it won a, a soundtrack award. At Cannes. Yeah, Cliff Martinez, who composed the score, he did the score for Drive. So if you oh, like yeah. the score, if you like the score for Drive, then you know. so it's a Cannes award winning film, and it was nominated for the the Palme d'Or, mm-hmm. so like their big grand prize, and nominated for the Queer Palm which is like a, a subsection for films that have, um, you know, gay or lesbian themes, characters, whatever in it. So some pretty high award nominations. So it's interesting that it's something that seemingly is, is so kind of controversial uh, and that kind of really in the public eye, I think kind of came and went. Like I didn't really hear much about it in terms of controversy. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of often bad news for the film, good news for someone like us specifically, like just in the world of this theater. Yeah. Because a movie can flop or not get attention in a multiplex and then play here for three or four days and do fine for us because we don't need to sell 50,000 tickets. We just need to sell a couple hundred. Well, this is this is a, a nine o'clock movie if there ever was one. Yes. Like we have our 6.30 movie, which yeah. is typically the nice uh, seniors film, senior yeah. friendly film. Yeah. Sorry, we just got a question from my uh, 
from the candy bar. From our, from our, from our candy bar co-worker. Our candy bar uh, master. Um, anyway, what was I saying? We were talking about... Yeah, there's a 6.30 movie. Yes. I'm sure we've talked about this before. There's yeah. a 6.30 movie that's a certain type of movie typically, and then yeah. there's a 9 o'clock movie. The 9 o'clock movies tend to be a little dark. Yeah, so and, and sometimes <laughs> this is a this is a a nine o'clock movie for sure. On, on occasion, we might get a complaint like, "Oh, why aren't you showing Neon Demon in the four o'clock or seven o'clock slot? I can't make it to the nine o'clock." And the truth is, just we have one screen, and so yeah. when you have one when, when you're when you're a multiplex, you can get away with showing Neon Demon six times a day. Yeah, like because twelve forty five in the afternoon. Yeah, because you sell three tickets to that, and you've got fourth screen showing Transformers 5 and you make all your money off of that. Mm-hmm. But with us, we really kind of got to juggle that around. And, and every once in a while, you see kind of some experiments back and forth. Like even this week, we had uh, the Raiders documentary, which was pretty family friendly. So we mm-hmm. had that in like like the... And, you know, probably a lot of kids and adults who like Raiders of the Lost Ark. So we had that in a matinee slot and in a nine o'clock slot later in the week because it kind of falls under the... There's hopefully some nerds who are going to come out to the 9 o'clock screening. So sometimes a movie jumps around like that. But for the most part, you can just tell, like, this is a matinee kind of film. This is a 7 o'clock kind of film. This is a 9 o'clock kind of film. Like, we're, you know, we're not going to show, you know, um, Rocky Horror at 1 o'clock on a Sunday. (laughs) Demon, uh, it also has, and it's funny because I don't think he was in the trailer, but it has Keanu Reeves. Yep. And Christina Hendricks, yeah, who I understand is just a very she small was in drive. part. Yeah, I love Christina Hendricks. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was probably my favorite part about Mad Men. Uh, she had a little part in Firefly back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, she was in Drive and a couple of. I, I think she's really good. And Lee was saying that um, the director, uh, uh, Winding Refren, tried to pitch a Wonder Woman movie with her in it. Yeah, I would have watched that movie. <laughs> But he's saying, like, like if, you know, if Hollywood, you know, the decision makers see this film, like, he'll never do a one Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I remember even John Waters, who I, I love dearly. I, I, I've, hmm. I've listened to his audiobooks. I've seen all his movies. I've watched his documentaries, watched things that he hosts. I love him. Yeah. And I know that a while back he was saying he was trying to do a legit kind of like family-friendly movie. Yeah, he wanted to make a family movie with Johnny Knoxville playing like a dad. It was like a Christmas movie yeah. or something. But he and, couldn't get the he money. he couldn't do it. And, God, nowadays I'm like, kickstart that. Because... Oh, God, yeah. I would... Because it's tough. Because even like when... Oh, David Lynch did the... Um, the driving the driving the lawnmower cross-country movie. The Straight Story? The Straight Story. So that was a very, you know, G-rated if not a family film, like a family-appropriate film, anybody could watch it. And I remember reading that he had tough time about that because they're like, well, no, you're David Lynch. So I, I love it when a director's allowed to, or able to do kind of diverse things, kind of go back and forth. But yeah, I, I can imagine like the fat cats at Warner Brothers sitting there and like watching clips from, from Drive and Neon Demon yeah. and being like, you want to do our Wonder Woman movie? <laughs> but... but uh, yeah, so, yeah, come check out Neon Demon. Uh, we have four screenings, all in the 9 o'clock or the slightly earlier 8.45 slot. Don't bring the kids. Don't bring the kids. You'll scar them for life. Um, so now we're going to check. No refunds. No refunds, yeah. When you get offended, it's your own fault for not researching that this movie is crazy offensive. Uh, the last movie we have to talk about this week 
is our, if I'm remembering correctly, our 83rd monthly screening of The Room. We think we can talk about this on the podcast just thinking that Tommy Wiseau probably doesn't listen to the podcast or probably doesn't have minions spying on the podcast to see if we're saying bad things about it. But we have a special guest coming up. And I, well, I'm sure we've mentioned this on, on oh, yeah. the last episode. I think we totally did, yeah. Uh, Philip Haldeman will be here on Saturday. Yeah. So A.K.A. He, Denny. Denny. And in real life, I, th- I was reading a bit. I think he's a, a writer now, a journalist now for a newspaper, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but he is in Montreal. Well, we're doing the room on Saturday, so that means he's in Montreal like Friday or Thursday yeah. for an appearance, for a, a signing kind of thing. And so we said, oh, can we get you to drop by the theater? So it was a simple enough idea. And then we started getting emails from Tommy because he wasn't impressed with having one of his cast here. He gets really angry when um, cast members of the room kind of do their own little promotional thing. Yeah. uh, Philip has written a comic book, which he'll be selling here, called My Big Break, which is based on his experiences making the room. And I think Tommy's mad that he's capitalizing on that or something and you can kind of if, if you if you try to be really neutral you can see kind of both sides of the story of you know tommy's a filmmaker and an artist and it's tough when people are critical of your work and even in something in the the bizarre twist that happened to the room where it's become this notorious b film where people laugh at it not with mm-hmm. it he's still very protective and he lives in a world where now there's you know, a feature-length documentary and the the Franco movie yeah. and this comic book and all kinds of but stuff. But I think he likes to be in the spotlight in control of, of all that yeah. stuff, all that all the advertisements, all the Q&As and, imper- and appearances that he does. Yeah. Um, yeah, apparently he's not speaking to anybody <laughs> from involved in the film right now because he yeah. feels, I guess he feels, like in the movie, betrayed. It's so, it's so crazy. Um, and, and that's the thing about... People still, but write. it's making his film more popular. You know, like oh, yeah. uh, the the Franco brothers, they've got the the making of movie coming out based on Greg Sestero's book, which is a great book. I was watching Dave Franco on um, Late Night with uh, Seth Meyers, and he was talking about the room. Oh yeah, and it's like, you know, people are watching that and they're going to go on YouTube. What's this room movie that he's talking about? So it's it's more publicity for him, but at the same time, I think he really hates when people talk about the film in the context of oh it's so horrible yeah we, we've gotten emails a couple times of even just quoting like i think there's like a, a pretty famous quote from entertainment weekly that just called it they were the first ones to say it's the citizen kane of bad movies and so a couple times like you or i or somebody had put up a thing on twitter or, or facebook and then we get an angry sad email from tommy saying take that down and we're in a weird predicament because we're screening his film and it's doing well, so as a pure, you know, pure evil businessman side of things, we want to keep showing it. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, if it gets too difficult, we're like, well... Lee, Lee's trying to walk, walk that fine line where yeah. he's keeping Tommy happy because we still want to do business with him. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I'm sure people want to meet Philip and... Yeah, and, and like... Greg and... Like, Greg's appearance here was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, really nice guy, signed autographs for everybody. His book's great. Uh, looking forward to Philip dropping by. Uh, and then there's a locally produced, like an Ottawa produced feature film documentary about the room. Yeah. And logic dictates. Which apparently is, I haven't seen it, but uh, apparently it's really good. Yeah, Lisa. It's really in depth. Yeah. Lisa, if not the finished film, like the rough cut, and mm-hmm. he was really impressed. 
And so logic dictates that the theater in Ottawa that has shown it 80 plus months in a row that has had guest stars from it would show the movie. And yeah. we would, I think we would all like to, but Tommy doesn't want us to. So yeah. it's, it's a weird thing. So, But it, Lee was saying it's only going to get more popular because oh yeah. when the Disaster Artist movie comes out, yeah. that's more people coming to see the room, come, you know, wanting yeah. to buy the Blu-ray. And even if it's not, like, you know, don't expect, because even like Ed Wood, which was, had Johnny Depp and directed by Tim Burton, was not a humongous hit, but a big cult movie. That's the movie that got me into Ed Wood. I went oh, yeah. through a huge Ed Wood phase. I have, I still have it. When I was a kid, my mom bought me um, the Ed Wood biography. Yeah. Uh, called Nightmare, Nightmare and Ecstasy. Yeah. I think it's still in print. It's really good. It's just an oral history of all the people who knew Ed Wood talking about him. And uh, yeah, that that movie, this big, produced by Disney, directed by Tim Burton, uh, biography of this uh, director who nobody, you know, cared about, got him some new fans. Yeah. And it's weird because even nowadays, a movie that, from the grand point of view, might be considered a flop, a flop movie can still have, like, millions of tickets sold. So even a movie like Ed Wood that didn't make the money that Batman no. did, it, say it still made $10 million, and especially by 20 years ago's numbers, that's well over a million tickets sold. And Martin Landau got an Oscar for playing Bela yeah. Lugosi. And it probably did well on home video and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Got good but, reviews. But I remember, I, I lived in Vancouver at the time, and there was a really great Mayfair-type theater, and they did, I think it worked because Ed Wood's movies are nice and short, but they did a triple bill. Yeah, and Glenn they, or Glenda. And yeah, and they were smart enough. I liked how they did it. They showed Edward first, so you saw the kind of fictionalized behind the scene, and then they showed Glenn or Glenda and Plan 9, and so you got to see all these like flaws that are jokes in Johnny Depp land in real life or in the, the life of the film. It was great. And now, like, like the new movie, the, the Disaster Artist film, at minimal is going to get, like, an Entertainment Weekly article, a Rolling Stone article, you know, a, a Nerdist podcast with Franco on it. Like, yeah. it's going to get this publicity. And Lee was saying he came and did the intro for either last month or the month before mm -hmm. for The Room. And he did a little like, oh, welcome. Thanks for coming. Here's The Room. This is what it's going to be. Uh, and he said, and it was a pretty good turnout. It was like 150 people. And he said, who here hasn't seen The Room before? And like 100 people put up their hands. Yeah. So this crazy movie is still drawing brand new fans. Yeah, there's people every month there's there's newbies coming in. Yeah, which is nuts. Like and and yeah, this has been going on for like what four years now, five years. I've Yeah. Yeah. Forever. <laughs> and so yeah, like if if we screened the Franco movie, say we screen that for three or four nights and it yeah. even does pretty well. Well, if, people will want us to show that. They'll oh, be yeah. like, when are you getting Disaster Artists? Yeah. I mean, I don't know when it's coming out, but I'm sure we're going to get demands to yeah, screen that. I mean, we did so well with, with the interview, which is, you know, Franco's oh, yeah, last the movie, movie. The that movie got, that uh, North Korea wanted to <laughs> blow up North America yeah, for, apparently. Yeah. But we did so well with that, and... And, uh, and nobody died. Nobody died. Everything was fine. And I think we would just get such good publicity about it, so... Yeah, if it's in our hands, I'm, we would love to show the James Franco movie yeah. and The Room. And Lisa, the only good thing that, or the thing that is positive about that is I guess Tommy was actually a guest on the set of Franco's movie. Yeah, they, they did the right thing by um, getting him in, involved somewhat or inviting him to the set at least yeah. and, and giving him 
roses and compliments, I guess. And, and that's the smart thing to do because I remember yeah. when when JJ did his first Star Trek or Star Trek, the his reboot Star Trek film, all kinds of publicity and like DVD extras of like of you know uh, George Takei on the set, yeah, or or Shatner going out to dinner with uh, uh, Chris Evans. No, Chris, who's the new Captain Kirk? One of the handsome Chris Chris's. Pine. Chris Pine. So many handsome Chris's. Can't yeah. keep them straight. But yeah, Chris Pine and Shatner out on a no photos of them out to dinner and chatting about things. And then like when Force Awakens came out, like George Lucas like at the movie premiere with J.J. Abrams arm in arm, you know. So it's smart to kind of put yeah. that goodwill forward. Good politics. Yeah, and so maybe that'll be a bit easier for us because Franco will say some nice things about Tommy being a genius, and yeah. we'll get to play the disaster artist film. And, uh, but yeah, so Philip is here this weekend. Drop but if, by if Tommy, if you're listening, he's not, he's coming. not here. He's if, not coming. Don't worry. It's if, a regular screening of the room. Yeah. But if you're not listening, <laughs> Philip Holman will be here in attendance. If, if you're talking with Tommy, don't tell on us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Phil, Phil will be here selling his comic books. That'll be cool. And I'm sure he's like our other guest that we've had is he'll stay till dawn signing autographs for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, so that's coming up. This... He'll, he'll have a lot of footballs to sign. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, that's right. Do not throw footballs at the screen. No. <laughs> Do no. not throw footballs at the screen. Uh, and then I guess we'll just briefly talk about, we've made a couple more bookings since our last podcast. Yeah. One I'm really excited about, uh, this documentary called Wiener about Anthony Wiener. Mm-hmm. The, uh, one time New York city mayoral candidate. Fallen from grace. Who uh, was he? The yeah, he was a New York congressman, and then he. Uh, and I think he was super popular. Super popular. Um, I think he was kind of like that Elliot Spitzer guy going after. Yeah, which is another great documentary. The big banks or something, or yeah. I don't know. He was standing up for a lot of good things. Unfortunately, he really likes Snapchat. Yeah. And uh, taking pictures of his of his junk. And he got in trouble. And he got in trouble. I remember a couple years ago. John Stewart making fun of Wiener. I think they were like high school friends. They were they were kind of College I don't know if they friends? were close friends, but they 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 knew each other. And and John Stewart was saying like this is crazy. I mean he's a weird guy or whatever. And then a couple days later it was like oh because it's because he took a picture of his Wiener. Wiener, yeah, uh, more than once. I think. how could his name be Wiener? And how then he ran for the documentary is about him running for the mayor of New York, and these documentary filmmakers are following him around, and it's just disastrous. Yeah, and apparently it's after the whole right, uh, right, right, Snapchat scandal. Not it's you know. so crazy, and and it's it's he could be the nicest guy in the world, and he just has this weird addiction, whatever. Yeah. But, um, it's fascinating that politicians keep on doing this. <laughs> like, I, I think the the harder they really love the prostitutes. Yeah, the, the the more they're opposed to something, the more they might be anti-gay rights or anti-this or anti-that. Like, the more they're likely to be get caught doing something. But apparently, it's the movie is also about the people and how you know he's. I guess he's saying, well, you know what? I'm just going to run and and focus on the facts and yeah. focus on. The yeah, issues. Yeah. And all people want to ask him about is... Is that, is yeah. Is his wiener. But, man, like, get it, it's, it's like, you know, he got caught once. Wiener's wiener. And then he kept going. And I, I had thought when I first saw this email come in that this was the Wiener Dog movie, which is a different movie the that... Todd, the, the Todd Solon's movie, yes. which we'll probably get in the near future. Probably. So we do know about that. So before you start making jokes about that, <laughs> we know about that movie, too. Um, 
But yeah, so that's coming up on August 6th. Mm-hmm. Looks great. And what was the other one? We booked a, another one. Um, Man vs. Snake? Yeah, Man vs. Snake. Which is the documentary from... Is it from the makers of King of Kong? No, no, it's just... It's just you know, in the same theme of King of Kong and has, I think, more than one of the same, you know, call them characters, even though it's a documentary. Uh, and it, I, did, I just, video games are so strange because, you know, video games are sitting and playing video games. But I find video game documentaries are more edge of your seat than watching any hockey game or basketball mm-hmm. game. We screened one called Ecstasy, Ecstasy of Order that was a uh, oh, Tetris, the Tetris documentary. One, yeah. Holy cow, that movie was stressful by, by the end. Um, but yeah, so we have that one coming up. Uh, of course, our friends at House of Targ are helping us present that one. Uh, so I think we might have a couple of House of Targ-related prizes to give out at uh, the screenings for that. Yeah, tons of stuff coming up. And uh, yeah, so check our website. We have all the stuff on the uh, the main page for our premieres. Mayfairtheater.ca. Uh, we're also on... We're not on Snapchat. No. <laughs> Unlike Anthony Weiner. Yeah. Uh, we are on Instagram at Mayfair Theater, Twitter, um, and Facebook. Yep. And, uh, yeah, go visit our friends at House of Targ. Um, eat, eat some, some pierogies. Eat pierogies. And go to, what is it? I forgot. Amazon? No. No. Uh, Audible. Audible, not Amazon. Sorry, Audible. We forgot <laughs> your your name. Audibletrial.com slash Mayfair Theater Podcast. Where you can download a free audiobook. And I've said it before, but if you haven't, download Disaster Artist. Yes. It's so good. Yes. And come see the room this weekend where Philip Haldeman may... May or may not. He will be, but if Tommy's listening, he won't be. It's funny. We, we're going to cut it out to make it a bit more streamlined, but we got interrupted by Anya coming in and saying that we've just got like half a dozen phone calls because now our program is online and people are saying, where's Philip? Is Philip coming? Oh, this is going to be so confusing, but... Uh, it's Tommy. It's Tommy's fault. We're sorry. Mm-hmm. But uh, come see the room. Come meet Phil, and uh, we'll uh, see you on the next podcast. Yep. See you next time. <laughs>